There we are. This evening's talk is, Why and How Should I Tell Others? Uh, and I want to, as you can see from the, the sheet there, I, I just want to attempt to answer both those questions. First of all, why? Why should we think about telling other people? I'd, I'd almost want to say, if you're genuinely asking that question, then you haven't got it yet. <laughs> I, I say that simply because we love good news, don't we? We love good news. And that's what the, the word gospel literally means. It means good news. In, in a world where there seems to be so much bad news, where we're, we're so aware of, of a, the kind of disconnection so often in our own lives, that God has taken the initiative to bring about a solution to that mess and muddle. It's good news. It's good news. We love good news. When we genuinely are in receipt of good news, we can't, we can't keep it in, can we? I, I remember when our, our first child was born, um, in the small hours of the morning, so I, I, you know, but this was great news. I was dying to tell some people. I left it until as sort of as polite as I could. It was still quite early in the morning before I rang my parents. And uh, they were a little bit bleary and groggy, but they were, you know, th- thrilled to hear the news. And uh, I thought, right, well, now I've told mum and dad, I, that's okay, I, I'm sure I can tell. So I rang a few others. I, t- I rang the next person and I told them, I think it was my sister, and I told her. And then I had a little list of people. I was just, it was such good news. By the time I got to the third person on the list, I said, I'm sorry to ring so early. I know it's really early, but um, I've got some great news. And they said, we know, you've had a baby. <laughs> I said, how do you know that? I said, oh, your, your parents have just rung. Huh? That's my good news. I went down this. Everyone, it's all good news spreads. People can't keep good news in. They were telling our good news for us. The good news, as I hope we've been uh, discovering over these last few weeks, the good news is that we don't have to pretend to be a Christian. We can actually become one. It's great news, isn't it? We, we don't actually have to put on the mask of pretense that we're a little bit better than we are. We're trying ever so hard to live up to this image so that other people will think better of us. And we, we can give up the pretense because we, we're free to acknowledge we cannot impress God and we can't actually impress other people. And if we look in the mirror and search inside ourselves, we, we can't actually con ourselves sometimes. And we don't have to. God has come not to rub it in, in Jesus, but to rub it out so that we can begin a new relationship with him. And that is wonderful news. That we can be real with God, begin to be real with ourselves. We can be real with one another. We're on the journey towards a relationship, a full relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So we love good news. And actually, I think we need good news in the world around us. Uh, I'm just conscious of the, the kind of popular songs. So much of the, the lyrics sound like a kind of search for um, highs, in a, in a sense, be it through sex or drugs or rock and roll or whatever it might be. Un, behind the lyric is, I, I'm in need. I'm in need. I need another hit, another high. Otherwise, I'm going to be, implicit in the lyric is, I'm going to be so low or lonely. Yeah, you, so much of the, the, the sort of tone of the, the modern day poets, if I can 
them in that bracket, is, is actually I'm, you know, I'm bad news. I long, I long for someone who can give an answer, give some good news. And Christians believe we have that good news. So why tell others? Well, because it's good news. I put on the nose. Um, I'm guessing you're here because someone said something by way of perhaps of invitation, a little bit of information about the church, this course it was running, that that Alpha was maybe a good thing to do. Someone shared something of that with you. That's why you're here. And so it's simply just being a continuation in that process. But secondly, actually, it's, it's commanded just in case we thought it was an option. Um, and actually, Matthew's Gospel in particular, there are these two commands, and uh, y- you can see them there. They're a kind of recurring theme through Matthew's Gospel. The first command is for us to come to Jesus. To come to him. In other words, to meet him. So that we, we've got something to share. Some knowledge of him. S- something by way of relationship with him. And again, I hope over Alpha this term... We've described how it is that we can come to know God personally through Jesus Christ. As we, as we put our hand in his, in faith, he will lead us to the Father. Um, he gives us the spirit to drink. We can be uh, filled with his new life. So we come to Jesus. But the second command, uh, I think it's 54 times in Matthew alone. He says, go, go. Go to the lost. Go to the needy. Go to the sick. Go. And the very last command in Matthew's Gospel is sometimes known as the Great Commission. The Great Command, if you like. Go into all the world, he tells the disciples. uh, And and make disciples of all nations, all peoples. So come to me to receive forgiveness, refreshments, new life, new relationship. And in receiving, go and tell other people. That's why it is, hi Didi, that's why it is that we should tell other people. You may be saying, I don't know what, what, what your reaction is to this idea of, of, of telling other people. You, you may have this image, perhaps, of the, the guy looking slightly sort of sad and alone on the street corner with a sandwich board and <laughs> written sort of in old English, um, some, some reference to hell. Um, And you're thinking, maybe maybe I've got to become like that. Um, that, that, That's the way in which it seems the church kind of presents itself, or rather cheesy cheesy posters on the church boards, you know, like CH-CH, what's missing? You are. (laughs) Oh, oh, I must go to church. And you think, oh, you know, that's the best the church can do. And you're you're thinking, oh, I've got to sort of lower my standards to, to that. Uh, it, it isn't, anyway, isn't religion a kind of private affair? I mean, it's like sort of sex, politics and religion. Those are the three things you're not to mention at a dinner party, isn't it? That is the etiquette demands. But again, I want to impress upon us that someone in some way must have told us something, must have invited us, must have taken a, a bit of a risk, gone beyond their own private world and said, even if it was just, would you like to come on this Alpha course? Would you like to come with me to church? Uh, and behind that invitation is uh, maybe, hopefully, the opportunity that people might come and hear for themselves how we can get to know God. Maybe it's the telling. How do I tell others? And you're thinking again, sort of you're picturing megaphone um, and uh, Covent Garden or, or, or Preacher's Corner or wherever it might be. Well, as I want to go on to explain in just a moment, um, maybe it's, it's 
it's less that kind of overt proclamation, but just, just playing one's part as God's worldwide broadcast, enabling other people to tune in the transmitter of their lives so that they, like us, can begin to hear God's message. We have a responsibility as Christians to tell other people. It's Jesus' command to us. Just listen to what Paul says. Um, this is in 1 Corinthians. I don't know if it's on the sheet. I don't need it. It's on page 1081. Page 1081. This is in the first letter he wrote to the Corinthians that we have recorded anyway. Um, chapter 2. It's quite interesting what he says here about, in terms of uh, speaking, uh, compared to what he was wanting to express of the Christian faith. Um, he's kind of defending himself a little bit to the Corinthian church. And he says, um, chapter 2, let's go from verse 1. He says, so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And look at this bit. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. I bet, I bet perhaps we could relate to that uh, in view of tonight's subject. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul Keane, that um, people don't get converted to him, but they get converted to the person, turn to the person who is at work in him. God's power, through Jesus, by his spirit, that that's what, if you like, flows out of his pores that other people pick up and respond to. So that's uh, why, and uh, in a sense I've begun to touch on, on how. And here, let's just briefly go through these four P's together. Uh, and this, this idea of God's power at work in our lives, implying that maybe we don't need to use words at all. We, we can just be something of God's presence amongst the people with whom we live and work uh, and uh, spend our day-to-day lives. That reference there in Matthew, we can look at it later on, but Jesus is describing the state of uh, the disciples in relationship with him. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And uh, salt, as you know, in the, uh, uh, before we had all sort of preservatives in, in food, salt was like a preservative. It held in the goodness of, of food. Salt also adds flavour. If food is a little bit bland, then it can just bring, it can sort of bring out the taste, all the taste that's there. And, and as Christians, we're called both to preserve goodness and also to bring out the flavour of God's creation by the way in which we, we live and uh, we're able to celebrate, to rejoice, to be grateful for um, so much that goes on. I remember listening to someone uh, who, uh, on the news, it was a news clip, and they were just speaking for a member of the public who'd gone through a tragedy. Um, I th- it was something to do with a child, I, I can't remember, they'd lost a child, or it had been, the child had been kidnapped, or, or it was something awful. But in the sort of 40 second clip that you got of them um, speaking on the news, 
they mentioned a number of times, they said, you know, amid the tragedy, amid whatever, we're so grateful. I said, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for, you know, the work of the police, or for the whatever, or for... And Joe, we were watching it, and Joe turned to me and said, I bet they're Christians. They didn't mention anything about Christian faith, they didn't mention God, they didn't mention Jesus, but it was just the way in which it seemed to come across, particularly in terms of the way they were able, amid this tragedy, to express gratitude. Turns out, we read in the paper and so on a few days later, yeah, they were committed Christians, they went to a local church, and it came out in the article. And in one sense, when we read that, it didn't surprise us at all. It was obvious from the way in which they'd spoken, even amid this tragedy and suffering. So salt and light, lifting darkness, uh, so that people can see, just by the way we act and are around the office. We're honest with um, uh, the way in which we handle the, 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 all the materials and, and uh, sort of, you know, the stationery and that kind of thing. It's not sort of half inching half of it into our briefcase home. We, 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 we won't put a hand into the petty cash. We, we'll be honest with our expenses. Um, we'll live in the light where everyone can see. We can see that we're, we're living by a different set of standards, a different moral code. We may be fine. We won't need to say anything. Christianity, someone has said, is, is as much caught as it is taught. It doesn't matter how much we know. It's, it's who we know and the impact that that person, knowing that person, Jesus, has on our lives. St. Francis of Assisi said this, Preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. So one way in which we can present the reality of Jesus in our lives is just by living for him living like him as we allow his life to uh, percolate in ours. It, it'll be obvious in all sorts of ways. One, one book that you may find helpful here, it's on the, the bookstall, is uh, written by Vaughan Roberts, who's a, a vicar up in a, a church in Oxford. And he's written this book, Distinctives. And uh, it's just a whole load of ways, different chapters, very accessible, very readable. Um, different ways in which we can live distinctly in this world. I'll read you the chapter headings basically describe the kind of book it is. Perspective in a world that lives for the moment. Service in a world that looks after number one. Contentment in a world that never has enough. Purity in a world obsessed with sex. Certainty in a world in which everything is relative. Holiness in a world where anything goes. Wholeheartedness in a world that can't be bothered. It's a real challenge to the way in which we can begin to think about living as Christians in a way that will mark us as different and proclaim something to those around whom we live. I, I, I commend that book. So, presence. Secondly, persuasion. Because it may just be that presence isn't always quite enough. I don't know if you know the story of the man who began work um, in a new um, office, new company, and... Uh, he decided he was going to be a real, he was a Christian. He was going to be a real Christian presence. He wasn't going to say anything, he wasn't going to ram stuff down people's throats. It would be obvious by the way he lived and by the way he was. His values would be different from those around. And uh, sure enough, he'd been praying and sure enough, a few weeks later, some of the colleagues, they gathered around him and they said, do you mind if we make an observation? And he said, no, not at all. They said, we've, uh, we've been watching you, looking at the way in which you are, particularly when we're all together, you know, over the lunch break. And uh, we can tell that you're, 
you're different. You're different from us. And the guy thought, yeah, you see, it's true. I just had to pray. I didn't need to say anything. And I knew they'd know. They said, do you mind? Can we ask, how long have you been a vegetarian? (laughs) So sometimes it may be necessary for us to use words just to back up our actions. Just turn with me to um, 1 Peter 3, verse 15, page 1153. Let's see what Peter said on this subject. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It's quite a long sentence there with quite a few things in it, but let me just read that middle bit again. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Why is it that you seem to live differently? Why, why can you have gratitude amid suffering? Why is there a sense of joy, of peace about you? How is it that you seem to be different? What is it? Those are the kind of questions that maybe lie behind some of the statements. Some of the questions, if not articulated, are lurking there amongst those who, 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 uh, with whom we rub shoulders. And Peter says, be prepared to give an answer those questions. I wonder, in our groups, we might just later on begin to rehearse, what kind of things might we say if someone were to say, you seem sort of slightly different as us, or this is a group you've been going to, or do you church you've talked about once or twice, and, you know, does it make a difference? What would you say? <laughs> so often, J. John is a speaker, so often he says, when those little opportunities present, present themselves, we're like, he says, we're like an arctic river frozen at the mouth. <laughs> and, and, and Peter says, always be prepared. Have, a, have an answer or two up your sleeve, as it were, so that you might be able to uh, engage people in conversation. Persuasion. Just two little tips on, on, on this. Um, born out of painful and bad experience on my part. Um, be prepared to start where others are at. Um, <laughs> I'm conscious that we've spent um, its hours of talk time and hours of discussion time over the last, uh, what is it, seven, eight, nine weeks. Um, so we've had quite an intensive sort of overload of, 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 if you like, Christian information. Many of the people who perhaps don't attend church or in our workplaces, offices, neighbours, won't have had anything like that level. So, so we're kind of right up here, as it were, in terms of knowledge and information and things we might say up here, but, but they're, they're here. And very often they're asking at this level, and, and, and the danger can be that we don't recognise they're here, and so we, we answer in a, at this level. It's the equivalent of them asking for a biscuit, and we try to force a five-course meal down their throats. No wonder people get sick of people who try to evangelise, in inverted commas. Very often I think that's the reason. We're force-feeding people. They're not quite where we think they are or where we'd like to think they are or where we'd like them to be. So so listen carefully 
to whatever question people might ask. And, and, and uh, I always think it's good to leave people wanting more. If they ask for a biscuit, give them half a biscuit and see if they come back with a second half. Did you, did you say you went to church last Sunday? Yeah, I did. That'll intrigue them. That'll infuriate them. Yeah, but there's loads of questions they want to ask. There. Just let them, well, just leave it. Don't try and preach or ram it down their throat straight away. I love the little story of the, uh, the girl. She's about uh, 10 or 11. She comes up to her mum. She says, Mummy, what's sex? And the mum goes, oh, right. I've, oh, my, right, okay. Right, darling. And she sits her dad and says, well, now, sex is... And she goes through the whole thing about, you know, it's about um, attraction, physical attraction, but friendship as well, and within the context. And then she actually thinks, well, I need to describe the actual sexual act. So she describes all this. And, and the girl sort of sitting there, this little bit of paper and a pen, sitting there nodding. And, and she listens and says, Mum, thank you very much, but on this application form, how do I fit that in this box? <laughs> so just making sure we know where people are coming from and what it is that they're really asking. So that's the first thing. Start where others are at. But the second thing is, this is an integrity issue really. Be prepared to start where you're at. Be honest about where you're at. So if someone sort of is maybe wanting to talk about Christian things and you're not quite sure where you are in terms of a relationship with God, be honest about that. Do you know, I'm, I'm still not really sure what I think. I know I've been going to church a bit and I've been doing this um, alpha course. But you know, I'm still working out. I mean, this is what I do know. I've, I know there's something in it. And I, I, well, I mean, I don't know. Say what, say what you can say with integrity. Don't feel you've got to come out with the right answer. Come out with what God is doing in you at the moment. Just be honest about where you're at. It's, it's much more releasing, actually, for people who themselves are feeling their way uh, in the Christian faith. Uh, don't feel you've got to know everything before you can begin to share something. I, I, haven't, I, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm working through some material that I'm um, wanting to, to teach next term um, on a sort, of, uh, uh, an, a sort of Christian issue in terms of how men and women relate to each other. And um, I've been, I've been I, I, if I'm honest, I, I don't know what I think <laughs> about how men and women within marriage sort of relate to each other compared to, to what... Um, what the Bible says. I kind of feel I ought to know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a vicar. I sort of ought to know. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, I just, I don't quite know. I, I don't really know what I think about women, I'm getting on red herrings here, but women bishops. If you ask me for an honest answer, I'm not quite sure what I think. So I, I just have to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I ought to know. I'll go and research it, look it up, think about it, pray about it. Um, so don't, don't pretend that you no out of sort of a sense of obligation or, or uh, uh, saving face. Don't pretend that you know more than you do. But, but equally, you don't have to know everything before you can share something. And, and maybe rehearse phrases, uh, sentences, uh, along the lines of, um, I, I don't know what I believe, but I, t- I have been thinking about this. Uh, that, that this Jesus figure was real. I never really thought about that before. Or that Christians claim he died for us. I haven't really thought about that. The carols that we sing at Christmas, you know the sort of, uh, oh, oh holy child of Bethlehem, be born in us today. Oh, I've been thinking about that line. We'll sing it shortly, you know, at a carol service somewhere. I haven't really thought about it. Before. Have you ever thought about what that means? Be born in us today. 
might be a great conversation starter. So, uh, presence, persuasion, proclamation, briefly, let me just say that um, it's not everyone necessarily that we called to kind of be a, a preacher. I think that's sometimes our fear, that that's, that's what telling others or sharing our faith will involve. Standing six foot above contradiction in some pulpit somewhere uh, and, and um, having all these sort of you know, silver gilded words uh, in a, wearing a shiny suit and, or being a televangelist and we think, oh no, please God. And so we run away from the whole idea. But the reality is I think it's very few people in a generation or, or, or out of a sort of cross-section of people that God calls and, and gifts in that way. I think he calls all of us to be obedient in the little people groups and situations and areas where we find ourselves. But it's perhaps only a few um, that have, I mean, I've mentioned this guy, J. John, um, and uh, I guess Nicky Gumble is uh, the guy who, who's, who's sort of behind this alpha course. Every now and then people are raised up with, it, it just appears, a real God-given ability and gift. But it, it isn't necessarily for everyone. I'm conscious that that was Peter's gift, and that's the reference in Acts chapter 2. He, he suddenly got it. The Spirit came on him and he preached such that thousands became Christian on what, if I'm honest, so you read that sermon in Acts 2. Not a great sermon. <laughs> if, if, if you don't mind me saying, Peter. But, but there again, I, I don't know how many sermons, I've preached hundreds of sermons probably and I certainly haven't seen 3,000 come to faith. So, um, God raising up one or two. And I don't know that, it, it, may, well be, it may well be someone here, who knows. Um, we're not all called to be like Peter. But you know, we could, every single one of us, we could all be like Albert McMakin. Do you, do you know who, who I mean? Albert McMakin? No? Oh. I'm with you actually. I had no idea who Albert McMakin was. Uh, but I heard about him. He, was, uh, he lived out in the Midwest in the States. Um, well, coming on for... Uh, was it 70, 80 years ago now and uh, there was a big one of these big rallies with a, a big speaker that had pitched up in there they kind of make these great marquees put up these great tents and then everyone was invited from the sort of towns and villages around and uh, Albert McMakin knew of this and so he rounded up all the young sort of roughnecks in the area and um, most of them were sort of mm, alright nothing else to do so they got into his truck there was one guy who was particularly belligerent young guy late teens and uh, he said, no way, I'm going to hear some preacher man. And so the only way that Albert McMakin could get this guy to go was by uh, letting him drive the truck. So this young teenager drives the truck to the rally and they sort of go into this thing, sort of sit there. And uh, the preacher, gifted no doubt by God, um, preaches the good news of Jesus Christ, that we can come into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and um, to Albert McMakin's amazement, the, 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 the belligerent one, the one who he had to bribe to get there by driving the truck, at the end of the talk, when the preacher said, if you'd like to begin this relationship now, I want you to get up out of your seat and come down to the front here. And to Albert McMakin's amazement, this guy stood up and walked all the way, they were at the back, so he walked all the way down to the front, and he knelt on his knees, and there and then gave his life to Jesus Christ. And his name was Billy Graham. And every now and then, God raises up a Billy Graham. And it may not be any of us here, but we could all be an Albert McMakin. We could be the inviter. 
How thrilling would it be to think that we perhaps invited someone to a carol service at St. Dionysus in 2007 and it turns out that they have a ministry over 30, 40, 50, 60 years that brings hundreds of thousands of people into new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. (laughs) And you could do that if you were ready with an answer for the hope that lies within you and I. So, proclamation. We can't all be Billy Grahams, necessarily, but we could all be Albert McMakins. And finally, prayer. I finish with this. Uh, and it's a sort of cheesy little line, but I think it's true. You and I will never convert anyone. We'll never convince anyone fully. It, it's, it's the work of the Spirit. It's God's work uh, to take this extraordinary story of a crucified God of, of uh, strength found only in weakness, of gaining one's life only when you losing it, lose it, of, of being first only if you are last, of uh, uh, following a Lord who washes his disciples' feet. It's complete upside-down, topsy-turvy nonsense unless the Spirit turns the lights on in our minds and, and shines on our hearts and enables us to say, oh Lord. And, and that's what we pray. Do you remember Paul saying, I've lost it now, but it's, it's, it, I don't want your faith to rest on any persuasive words of mine, nothing of me. I only wanted to proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified so that your faith might rest not on my wisdom, but on God's power. And so we pray for God's power to kind of flow through us and out of us by the way we live, our presence our persuasion maybe, our proclamation perhaps occasionally, but all the time our prayer so that others may come into a new and living relationship with our Heavenly Father. Uh, I'll, I'll pause there. You can see just under the begin to work it out. Maybe that's a, a small group discussion. What it is we believe and why we're beginning to believe it and how we might begin to tell others. One final thing just to say on the, on the tables are um, these Christmas cards which um, I'd love you to have your, uh, your own copy. They're available in church as well. Or you might like to take this and, and use it as, a, as an invite. Would, would you like to come and join us at carol service? Um, and uh, maybe that's a way in which you can begin to explain something of what you believe with a colleague or a friend, housemate or neighbour. Uh, time for some refreshment, tea and coffee, and, uh, and then small group discussion.